Welcome to 123 from District 123, a podcast that explores and shares the magic happening throughout District 123 schools every day. In each episode, we chat with the people responsible for moving inspired educational ideas from the imagination to the classroom. We dig deeper into those ideas and share the successes from some of the most innovative practices seen throughout Oaklawn Hometown School District 123. 123 from District 123 is proudly brought to you by the District 123 Ed Foundation. More information about the foundation can be found at d123edfoundation.org. Now here's your host, District 123 Superintendent, Dr. Paul Enderly. Hello world, happy new year, and welcome to 123 from District 123. I am Paul Enderly, Superintendent of Oaklawn Hometown School District 123, and the proud host of the 123 podcast, a podcast that takes a a deeper dive into exploring great ideas in the field of education. This podcast is brought to you by School District 123 and the District 123 Educational Foundation. Our Ed Foundation is comprised of an absolutely great group of committed and dedicated community people who strive to work in conjunction with our school district strategic plan as well as the community to acquire and distribute resources, to enhance learning opportunities and advance special innovative projects. Today, we are excited to have an exceptional art teacher with us for our podcast, Mara Petritus. She's joining the 123 podcast to share with our audience an incredible story about an innovative STEM Lego idea that she had and is now serving to engage some of our budding artists in District 123. Mara, welcome to the 123 Podcast, and let's get started by taking a few minutes to tell us a little bit about yourself. All right, thanks for having me. Um, I have been a teacher since 1988. My whole career has been here in Oaklawn Hometown. Um, I originally worked at Colmar for seven years, and then when the middle school opened, I was lucky enough to come over here, and I originally started as a math and social studies teacher, and then 12 years ago, I moved to the art department, and I am the art department, which is kind of fun, (laughs) kind of lonely at times, but I do really enjoy being the art teacher. I always, prior to being the art teacher, I um, always incorporated art in my classes, whatever I was teaching, because I love art. So it kind of um, was a happy accident in a way that I became the art teacher, and it's been like the best thing because I can do projects. I do projects all day long, all year long, so... um, I've always loved art. I'm the daughter of an architect, so it kind of is in my blood. But my mom, um, but we always were, the art was everywhere around us. Sure. So grew up going to museums and right. just appreciating art. Always had prints of famous pieces, you know, framed on our walls at home and just kind of cultivated that love of art um, since I was, as long as I can remember, since I was pretty much born. So sure. just, it's in my blood, absolutely, literally so, and figuratively. Do you attribute that, that passion for art to your upbringing and your family's influence? I think so. We, um, I call it not when we went, we went on family vacations every year, but they were always, I call them a field trip vacations sure. because when we went to New England, we went to all the big cities, but we always went to museums. Right. And so I learned a lot. I saw a lot of things, went to, you know, history and art and science. And um, so they were learning vacations, a lot of fun too, of course. you know, but we always 
kind of like learning experiences, but also just being around um, just different opportunities to learn different things. So my upbringing definitely has brought me to where I am today. Yes. Yes, I remember as a child myself, you know, growing up in Chicago, having the opportunity to have access to great museums. And, you know, it wasn't something we did every day. But those those field trips and those outings, I, I remember to this day. Yeah. They had a great influence on yeah. me. So. They're definitely, and yes, being in Chicago, I grew up here too, where it, um, it's one of the best places to grow sure. up because of um, going on a field trip when I was in grade school. And we went to different museums, went to the Art Institute, went to the Museum of Science right. and Industry. And there was so much to see, to learn, to do. And you go back. You would go back every, you know, every year, every other year, and you were always seeing new things. So that's excellent. Yeah. Very good. Well, your your passion and inspiration for art is certainly something that I know I've seen, you know, come alive in your classroom, and not only teaching the fundamentals of art to our kids, but also uh, passion and a love for it. And uh, I know not every student comes to the table with that passion in art, so you've got to pull it from them a little yes. bit. Um, but something you said earlier kind of sparked my. Um, uh, curiosity, being the only art teacher here at Oakland Hometown Middle School puts you a little bit on an island. Absolutely. And uh, you are your own department, and I know uh, having that structure is uh, can be rewarding, uh, but it could also be a little bit lonely. Um, but I, I'm sure that is a, a situation that a lot of art educators face, who especially, I think, teach in elementary and middle school, where they are the only art teacher in the entire school. So maybe talk a little bit about how do you uh, work to seek a professional learning community outside those four walls of your classroom or your school? Yeah, luckily I have great relationships with my colleagues that teach content areas and other um, encore classes. So just having regular conversations or I might look in to see what um, the different, you know, science is doing or what language arts is reading social studies, what they're studying, and just sometimes kind of pull ideas that might um, be a good connection to what they're doing in their core classes. Um, I also, um, now with, there's so much on the internet where um, I'm, can, I'm part of the, I'm a member of a group, um, the Art of Education, and there, it's the whole, their whole website, their whole program. It's not just website, but their whole program is all about art educators. Right. when I started teaching art, I joined the Illinois Art Education Association, the IAEA. Sure. And for several years, I would go to the annual um, conference. Okay. And um, so it was great to see so much of what other art teachers were doing, especially yeah. when I was starting off just learning different things. And sure. um, I'm always looking for new ideas, though. So even yeah. if I'm driving in my car and I might see something or – I see a piece of art or I'm reading a book that something might kind of trigger an idea. Um, And then I, a lot of times will bounce my ideas off of my colleagues who might not have an art background or art, but, but they're good listeners. We've got good communication, good friend, you know, relationships where it's nice to, you know, I had this idea. What do you think about this? And sometimes they just say, Oh, it sounds great. Other times they might give me an idea that might work, you know, that might, they can add to what my idea was or think, Oh, look at it this way. So it definitely is. Um, yeah, it can be lonely at times, but <laughs> luckily I work in a great building in a great district where, you know, and I, since I've been working in the district for over 20 years, yeah. I have these lifelong relationships and friendships that I just, um, they're always someone to help me out if I right. ever need need help. So so for those art teachers out there to kind of tap into your, your local 
community mm-hmm. and not necessarily it has to, has to be an art educator. It could be right. someone from a different content area or a different grade level, uh, but also to leverage technology in a Absolutely. way that you know, makes our, our world much smaller right. and, and connects us better with people you know, e- outside our schools. Right. Even in the last five years, um, when I think about when I started teaching, but then I've been started teaching art, there was not so much of you know, going online, looking for things. Yeah. There was, it has evolved so much. Twitter in the last didn't exist. <laughs> no, but even like, you know, Pinterest, that was sure. something I learned about at my art, one of my art conferences. And so I, you know, went into there and that was where I found a lot of ideas. And some of the girls who um, were presenting at the conference, they had their own boards up. So I would hook up with their boards and see what they were doing. Um, one of the best ideas that I'd gotten from one of the conferences was learning about Art Sonia. And Artsonia is an online art gallery for children. So we photograph all of our work, all the kids' work, and then it goes into an online art gallery. Yes. So, and you know with your son, just the cool, just they get parents an email after, oh, your artwork is, you know, your child's artwork has been posted and... Um, it's it, just it, a great it, digital portfolio for yeah, the kids. It's exactly what it is. It's a portfolio. It lets, uh, you know, not only the kids be able to kind of like do a little self-assessment of their work and, and see uh, the collection over time, mm-hmm. but it allows parents to connect right. with the school and with the child's work. And I think it adds a, a really strong opportunity for self-assessment and examination, but also celebration right. for growth uh, moving forward. I know that is a, a big part of our strategic plan goal, too, is to kind of look at how we go about um, uh, reporting progress. And it's not just a number or a right. letter or a, even a conversation. Sometimes it is a, an examination of this portfolio of work right. over time. Right. And I know that that profile really d- or that uh, platform really does a nice job. Yeah, uh, within art right. to really showcase things. Right, and my, my I so I teach sixth grade and eighth grade, and my sixth graders, um, when they put their artwork on Art Sonia, when they come back in eighth grade, if I have them again, they look back, and there sometimes there's some fond memories, sure. and the sons are like, "Oh my gosh, look at that one! Yeah. Just I can't yeah. believe that!" Or oh, they really remember, and then I tell them, until Art Sonia goes out of business, your artwork will still be on there because oh, my great. first group of kids who used Art Sonia. I believe they're freshmen in college. Okay. So their okay. artwork is still still there. Still there. Wow. So it's fun to go back, and it's good for me too. I can go back and see what I did one year yeah. or um, how I might change something. Yeah. But I've always found as an educator, creating structures where kids can see their progress visually mm-hmm. over time is greatly motivating right. to the students. And I think that portfolio process really does it yeah. for you. That, yeah. That's excellent. Well, you, you came up with a great idea. And um, uh, it was uh, one of these STEAM ideas. And, um, you know, STEAM is a, another educational acronym that we use that stands for um, uh, science, technology, engineering, art, and music. And when we as uh, educators blend those things together... Uh, and kind of break down those silos, those content silos, and create projects and ideas. And art, art is a great avenue for that. Mm-hmm. And um, your STEAM idea was con- connected to uh, using Legos right. um, in the classroom and, and, and within the learning um, environment to kind of facilitate some of that. So we're going to be using 
uh, our one, two, three format. We'll talk a little bit about that STEAM Lego project okay. that you created. Um, first, discussing the one idea okay. in a little bit more detail. Secondly, two surprises or thoughts you've had along the way as you've implemented this idea. And then third, three outcomes that you've seen have, have benefited our, our students in some way. So let's jump right in. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, number one, what Tell us a little bit about your idea. All right. So the idea came about, I um, am the advisor sponsor of after-school clubs, and I was looking for something different for architecture. I have done, um, we did a Frank Lloyd Wright, a couple different clubs with him, like studying his kind of, his architecture. Um, We built um, tiny houses from cardboard, one um, club time. Um, We did Chicago architecture another time, and I wanted something different, and when I had done the Frank Lloyd Wright Club, I had purchased, um, there's a Lego set that is the Solomon Guggenheim Museum. And so I had that one set, and um, I wanted to do something else that was Lego-based. And I had seen something somewhere or um, that was a Lego art of some sort. But I also knew that, that they made the skylines. Sure. And so just as an idea to do a different kind of club, and to get more of the STEAM, and it, so I think the name of my um, proposal was put the A in STEAM with architecture. Right. So normally you think of the A as art, art. but architecture. Yeah. So it was just a, a way to do a different kind of club, an architecture club. I do a lot of different art clubs, but just an architecture club and something that was more easily manipulative um, with the Legos, where it was kind of almost um, the plans were was kind of given to us. Sure. Um, and so I had that idea. But I knew that the sets were, there were, um, I believe there were seven sets at the time that when I was researching the different skylines, how many were available. And some were reasonably, you know, priced. Some of them were a little bit more expensive. But my art budget goes towards my art materials for my classroom. And um, I don't have an extra hundred, you know, couple hundred, several hundred dollars lying around to, you know, for a club. And I couldn't... um, you know, have the kids pay for it because they're not going to be able to take the Legos home at sure. the end, whatever. So I decided, oh, I'll do an ed, you know, a, a mini grant with the Ed Foundation. And um, actually my iPads that I use for Artsonia were from a mini grant from several years ago. Okay. So Great. coming back around to the, to yeah. the um, mini grant, uh, the Ed Foundation. And so I thought, well, I'll do, a, you know, for, to support the club. To th- And that was the main purpose was to um, have – the, the, the club, which I've since like renamed Skyline Builders because they're building the skylines. Okay. Um, but I also thought, well, I would use them in my classroom. We, every spring, do a STEM day, or as I call it, STEAM day, because yeah. of the art. And I thought, oh, it could be a way to, to bring an activity into my classroom and kind of, again, almost semi-ready-made. Um, and then more of my, I teach almost 200 kids every trimester that, Almost every kid would have an, you know, a chance Exposure. to do yeah. something with the Legos. Yeah, um, so I wrote the proposal. I presented it to the Ed Foundation, and um, they accepted it. And then they provided me with um, this, uh, seven original studies, but they gave me two sets of each and then a couple Lego books, some of that were directly related to the um, – the architecture series of the buildings and the other ones just regular Lego building in general. Okay. Yeah, I know I know being around that Ed Foundation table and um, you know, when we think of STEM or STEAM, we think a lot about engineering and art, but we don't always think of architecture. So I know that was an element to your project that really um, – 
cause some conversation around the foundation table because it's something that sometimes in education we miss. You know, we we don't always get at that. You know, that specific architecture and your 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 project really did that. So let's talk about the two things that maybe surprised you along the way, or you know, a lot of times the things that we don't always anticipate are the things we learn most about. So could we could talk a little okay. bit about that? Yeah. So when my first I did. I received the grant last spring, and so I did my first, once I re- received all of my Lego sets, um, I did my first club, and then I've since done this, this year, the school year, I've done the club, I think I've had three, I'm, I think I just finished my third session. Okay. So one of the surprising things, and I knew this, but I didn't really remember, you know, just, it didn't really hit me that once a session's over, and then we put the um, Skylands on display, when the next session starts we have to take those models apart okay. for the next group huh? to put them back together. So that was one thing. I mean, my fine motor skills really got to play when I was, you know, taking them apart. I had the kids help it sometimes, but then you end up possibly losing pieces. So that was one thing of just having to take them apart, put them back together. You know, the kids put them back together and they love it, obviously. Sure. But for me, the having to, okay, we have to, you know, keep them organized and then take them apart for then the next group to come in. So that was one surprising thing. Um, the other, the kids, they would have stayed forever. They would, you know, want to do this over and over and over again. And so trying to feel like I want more variety, I was able to buy, um, with some other funds, um, two new sets that were, came out this fall. um, the original sets were Chicago, New York city, Shanghai, Las Vegas, Sydney, Berlin, and London. And then this year, I was able to get Paris and San Francisco. Oh, good. So, so you've added to it. So I've added to it. So yeah. now I've got nine sets, and I've got two of each. So I have 18 sets. Okay. Um, so just ha- feeling like I always want to have something new, having something variety. Sure. Sure. But I know that the kids, they really just want to build. Yep. So, um, and there's kids who they have their preference. I like. I would like to do this one first. I've already built that one. Okay. I've, if I have repeat club members, or if they might have a set at home. So. Do, do most of the kids... Um, build these sets independently or do they work with a partner or a group? There's been, so with the club, there's been, um, the, I let them choose. You can okay. work by yourself sure. and some kids obviously choose that. And then some kids, it's okay, you, we, only two people together just because then you, you have one book that they're looking out of and it just makes it easier. And so there's some groups that have chosen to work with a partner. Okay. And um, even the, if the kids who have, they've, usually you see it more with it, kid who is working independently if they run into a problem they can't find something or they can't explain a fit the other kids will help him out oh look at this one okay well here it goes like this I think sure you know they ask me too but they also the other kids who are more of the um you can see they already have the passion of Legos they are you know will jump right in and say you know oh it goes like this or you know whether they've built it before or not but they yeah they definitely yeah for sure Excellent. For Very sure. good. Well, what yeah. about three outcomes? You know, that's three obvi- outcomes. obviously one's got to be teamwork or that type of thing. But uh, yeah, let's the kids, the kids um, that that sign up for the club, they're so excited about it, and they come in, they want to start building. We meet for an hour and a half, and they would meet for three hours if they could. You know, when I give them their t- okay, we've only got a few minutes left, sure. and they're bummed about that. <laughs> but the kids love it, and when the skylines are done, I put them up on the top of my. Um, cabinets okay and so they're on display then until yep. the next session starts and um when the kids come in that when they come in the next time for club they might like look up to see because there's been groups where they built one and then they had time to build another one sure because we work over several week session and 
So they come in and like almost every time they walk in the room, the first thing they do is look up to see their, what they've already finished. Oh, that's great. And then students who I've had in club, and then I might have them, you know, later in the trimester or the next trimester, they've come in and they look up and they say, I built that. Yeah. Or even, you know, just, and even the adults that come in my room, my team, when my team comes in for meetings and they come in and they sit and they look and they, yeah. you know, they say, I want to come to, you know, architecture yeah. club. Yeah. And they look at this guy and they all like, you know, well, what's that one? Oh, what's that building? So that's, it definitely elicits so much conversation sure. among the kids and the adults. And a sense of pride. For in sure. An accomplishment. I know when, when we were actually building this building, and uh, I remember looking at the art space we were designing, we wanted to make sure that those display cases were right out, immediately outside the art room for that very purpose, right. to make sure that our art teachers had an opportunity to showcase yeah. um, the products that our kids were creating. So it's really neat to hear that, you know, this, this project conjures up conversation. It builds a sense of pride. I know even yesterday we had a Chamber of Commerce um, after our hours event here, um, hosting it in District 123, and some of your Legos mm -hmm. were on display, and it really fostered a lot of conversation uh, amongst the local business owners mm -hmm. here in Oaklawn. So it was really so I, I could see how how those um, those skylines and those displays really bring out a lot of collaboration right. and conversation. Yes, yes, um, yeah. The teamwork aspect too. So when I I want to I need to figure out a better way because I've learned that only two. It's best with just two students working at a set at a time. So I'm trying to figure out a way to have a more seamless um, incorporation into my classroom because I teach. My, my, my club groups, I've had a dozen or so kids, give or take yep. a couple. But my classes, I have, you know, twice that, three yep. times that. Yep. So to have, um, you know, nine tables worth of students and trying to figure out I don't have, you know, enough sets Sure. Everyone to do it all at the same time, um, so that is kind of a challenge that I'm kind of yeah. working through. Um, but definitely, the teamwork is one of the things that it just you know when I think about the kids too when they finish it and they're so happy and they ask, "Can I take a picture of it?" Or when they're partway through and they want to document and take a couple pictures, sure. I want to show so and so at home what I've been working on. I've been talking about it, yeah. and they get they're just the best part is the kids just get so excited about yeah. it. Yeah, I, I know, you know, visiting your classroom a number of times, um, you know, you do a great job of instilling passion and, and love for art, but you, you are a very good manager of the art classroom. So I I could see how, how your mind is working about how, you know, how to sequence things and how to maneuver those things, you know, mobilization, demobilization. Those are all important elements because we are limited with our time. Right. And when kids get going and those creative juices start flowing, you don't want to stop that. So you really want to try to maximize that time kids have on task when it comes to creating. Right. Yeah. yeah and I'm looking at also possibly trying to um, use my budget, to my regular budget and just some other um, funds to get um, some smaller Lego sets for those classroom things where they're not, you know, a several hundred piece set that requires um, – more step-by-step, step, where there's smaller um, houses and other buildings, like there's the city, the city series of Legos, where they're just smaller um, Lego sets yep. that, because um, when I feel like I, I do have regular Lego sets, just the free box of just, you know, however many pieces that you can just, sure. a free build kind of thing. And the kids like to use them, but sometimes um, it feels like they build the same thing over and over again, just, you know, the square, the rectangular house with walls yeah. and maybe throw the window in. Um, but to have them actually all sort of follow like step by step, 
because when they have to read the book and they and the book is just literally pictures of you need these many four you know four of these that are gray pieces that are yes. a one by eight and they have to go through and count and look and so they definitely are, they're using so many different kinds of skills so to get more of that um, and to bring more of that steam into my classroom with my um, regular roster of kids and not just a select sure. group that comes sure. to the club. Great. So. Excellent. Well, you know, in closing, anything else uh, to share that you, you haven't had a chance to, to share yet about this uh, excellent idea? No, I'm just hoping they come up with more cities so yeah. I can get get a few more because Well, well you know, it's interesting you say that because that's one of the goals of the foundation is, you know, they can't, you know, they're limited to what they right. can give and can't give, but they they always say that, you know, they, they really like ideas that, that turn into springboards for educators. Right. So it's good to see that this, you know, it's only been a year, but you've already added to your collection right. and you're thinking about different things right. moving forward because I think that's one of the, the underlying outcomes that the foundation wants to, you know, they want to serve as an impetus for innovation and change. Right. And I think, you know, your story, you know, helps validate that. So well, for it's, sure. It's, it's yeah. It's really nice to hear. Yeah. And the Ed Foundation, we're so lucky to have the Ed Foundation with our, that supports our district. Um, because they give so much to the they teachers, do. which ultimately it's for this. We, we everything we do is for the students. So yeah. when I bought, when I you know asked for the iPads, you know however many eight ten years ago, yeah. um, it has. I mean, I've used them you know almost every day since then, and so it just become has become such a part of my curriculum and what I teach sure. and how it. I mean, it's, and it's for the kids and what the, and the kids use them, and the same thing with the Legos that. The Lego sets that the kids will use them, and they get so excited about it. That's great, and I do too. And it just, you yeah. know, it just helps them to like look for more ideas and just keep um, enriching my instruction as well as the kids' learning. Great. So very, very good. Well, um, Mara, I want to thank you for joining us today and um, telling your story and the positive difference you're making each day in the lives of our our young learners. It's truly inspirational. Uh, next time on the 123 podcast, we're going to tell a story of yet another innovative idea in School District 123 and invite two of our reading teachers to the podcast to speak about how they help build passionate readers through enhancing a culture of reading in their classrooms. So for our amazing art teacher, Mara Petritus, our producer, Natalie, who's always got her finger on that mute button for me. This is Paul Enderly checking out. Thank you for listening to 123 from District 123. And until next time, remember, when we believe, our kids succeed.